I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to see light again here in New York, here on Long Island. Do you know tonight, Long Island still has 25,000 last checked in the dark. Alex Garrett podcasting, and I could not let this podcast go on the Sunday pod. And we're going to welcome Zach Miller of Truck Stop, NYC Truck Stop, in just a minute. But I couldn't let this moment go because I was at Union Turnpike today. And I saw another set of downed trees literally hitting the houses from Tropical Storm Isaiah. And so right now I just want to say a prayer for those who don't have power still. A prayer that our power companies could get their act together. A prayer that those who have had this damage of trees literally into their windows, crushing canopies, that their house be restored as well. And it's pretty remarkable how the whole President Pelosi saga continues with the executive order and how unemployment will still continue only at $400. But even so, there's still a debate about this whole executive order. Yet, what New York City is fighting, what Long Island is fighting, is still a power outage. What New Jersey is fighting is still a power outage. And that is horrible. The heat's on today, by the way. Heat was on today. So I hope people were able to stay cool one way or another without their power. And so I actually went. This is this is an incredible thing. Talk about faith and living in faith and being faithful that God has your plans, has your instincts, has your vision in mind. After rolling around, seeing these downed trees on these houses on Union Turnpike with my dad, after I got off the bus, I rolled up the hill. And sure enough, the family whose tree, this uh, in 164th Street, whose tree the house, whose house the tree fell on, happened to be outside. And in that moment, I said, God bless you. We wish you all the best with this. A city official did look at the damage. I mean, it's uprooted. It's into the house. You could see the picture on my Alex Garrett podcasting page on Facebook and Instagram, Alex G in NYC. We must say a prayer for homes that are damaged, for the people in the homes that are damaged, that their claims be met. We must say a prayer also and say thanks be to God for acting with us in our vision. It's almost like He subconsciously puts the vision in our head, and when we act it out, he provides. And God has provided a lot of timing this week. I'm going to get more of that into tomorrow, but I'm starting to feel like he's giving the green light to a lot of different things, and I'll explain why tomorrow. But I was just amazed because after I talked to this couple or this family, the two two different residents side by side with the tree fallen, after that, a bus immediately came to take me up the hill and back home. That's divine right there. And thank you, God, for giving me a safe trip back, for, you know, empowering me to go up to these people and say, hey, we're sitting with you. God bless you as you try to get your house fixed and this tree out of your property and the property yield. I see this was no joke, and we shouldn't let the virus uh, debates, we shouldn't let the infighting going on about these whole bills and executive orders distract us from a few things. And one of them is that our fellow citizens are without power. And I just think the pandemic, the riots, now this, 
If you're not thankful for having what you have today with everything going on, maybe you'll never get the thankful gene. Maybe you'll never get the gratitude gene. But there's always time to have that if you don't have it. There's always time to find that gratitude muscle um, to find. And uh, with that, the Sunday pod used to be uh, specifically for politics because I still believe there are different voices out there that are not the Sunday shows, that are better than the Sunday shows. And I've got a man right here who's who's better than all of these people on here, <laughs> Zach Miller. First of all, Zach, you're with Truck Stop Radio. Uh, but more importantly, you and I are, are close in our political nature, in our friendship. So thanks for coming back. Oh, absolutely. And what a great introduction. I appreciate that. Uh, we were literally talking off air about this whole thing. And I was like, you know, across the street, they painted some green i think they're bike lanes and and that kind of clicked in you why did that click in you from the start what was that when i said that it seemed to resonate with you well this is sort of a thing and i want to be very clear about something i'm not against bike lanes at all i think they're fine i think they make a lot of sense in a lot of cases but i am somebody who you know i make my living with the trucking industry uh my website near truckstop.com like you said our radio show uh, our radio show deals a little bit more with small business issues, but, you know, trucking is a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and certainly I am, uh, full disclosure, I'm on the board of directors of the State Trucking Association. Um, so, you know, trucking is very near and dear to my heart. So wh- what's my issue with bike lanes? My issue with bike lanes is a lot of times they're designed in such a way that makes it harder for trucks to park and harder mm-hmm. for trucks to maneuver. And obviously, the last thing we want to see is any incident between a cyclist and a truck. Because Correct. when you see an incident between a cyclist and truck, you know, nine out of ten times, the cyclist is not making it home, which is just an unacceptable right. tragedy, and we want to avoid that. At the same time, we want to make sure that trucks have the ability to get in, get out, make their deliveries, and, and, and move on. Um, and, and a lot of times, not all the time, some, some of these bike lanes are designed very well. But a lot of times, a lot of times these bike lanes are designed in a way that that does make it harder for the trucks to make their deliveries. And um, and usually DOT goes through a process of when they design their bike lane to get community input. And a lot of times, you know, the trucking industry will say, you know, here's where we think this may not be a great design. Mm. Um, And sometimes DOT listens, sometimes not. I have no issues with the DOT process. It is what it is. But, but, you know, Alex, during COVID, um, they've not, not DOT necessarily, but city hall, you know, has, has pushed some different agendas and they've done it a little bit more quickly, you know, because under under the cover of night, would you say, or I would, I would say that that's probably fair. Definitely related to, you know, emergency situations. We don't have to go because, you know, it's quote unquote temporary. So we don't have to go through the whole process of, you know, what, what a permanent process would be. So, you know, uh, so Alex was helping us record our show uh, Friday, uh, as he's been doing throughout COVID, done a fantastic mm-hmm. job, of course. And he said, yeah. And, you know, it was weird because I, I left the station yesterday and everything mm-hmm. was normal. And I come in this morning and there's like this green paint. And I go to Alex. And, and Alex actually said, he's like, I think it's a bike lane. I'm like, that could be problematic because Broadway is so tight to begin with. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a major commercial corridor, at least in, you know, good times and knock on wood, it returns to that. Sure. 
And so I'm thinking, my gosh, you're going to, you're going to take away that kind of space in that area overnight. This is going to cause problems. I mean, this is certainly going to cause immediate problems. And mm-hmm. in terms of what the future is going to look like, I don't know, you know, we could speculate, we could talk about that, but, but it, 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 it did raise some serious red flags when you, uh, when you mentioned it to me. So then you inspired me in a way because we had that comment. I go out and investigate. Sure enough, it's a bike lane. Sure enough, there's one lane of traffic on Broadway and truck or no truck. That's not an easy, that's like threading a, thumb, a thimble. And exactly. Not temporary, right? So I think this is a great question and I, and I need to do some research myself. I need to contact people. I am thinking that this is what I, I guess the word I'll use is uh, temporary to permanent. Um, mm-hmm. I believe this is set up to be temporary. I, I believe that um, as far as the the rules would say, this is temporary. But if you're asking me if I think this is going to be temporary, <laughs> no, I don't. No, I think this is going to be here uh, for the foreseeable future. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with this notion that people are really starting to bike to work that bike Mm -hmm. commuting is becoming popular and it may be, it may not be, I'm not hundred percent buying the city's numbers. I am buying that there are more people on bikes, which is generally probably a good thing. Um, But again, the issue is the nature of work now, how many people are going to work more of their work is going to be from home. How many people Mm -hmm. are just going to go into the office one or two days a week? Cause obviously I think they really set this up for the people who live in William, well, not just necessarily, yeah. but people got, in Brooklyn, you. you know, who, who bike to lower Manhattan. Um, and, you know, that's all well and good for the first week in August. Uh, is right. this really all well and good for the first week in November? You know, which, which goes back to your question of, well, is this temporary or is this permanent? Because mm. if this is, if this is uh, okay, let's do the Like uh, open streets for the right. restaurants. It goes until October 31st. So let's say this bike lane goes until October 31st. Is that such a big deal? Probably not. I mean, it's going to be costly for the trucks making deliveries there, sure. no doubt. But but in terms of the city, is that a big deal? No. If it continues, maybe. Zach, you're talking about the, the truck, by the way. So across the street, and you know the area well because you go to the studio on a normal year. Um, <laughs> and there's Dwayne Reed there. And I'm sure you might have seen trucks are literally making deliveries to Dwayne Reed. Now, driving alone, what happens if they have to unload a bunch of stuff and all these bikers are right next to them as they're trying to unload the stuff? I mean, that's a problematic thing, too. Yeah, that, it's a great question. First of all, that is certainly a safety issue um, for the cyclist, for any pedestrian that goes by, and for the truck driver, too, because if the truck driver is, you know, stacking boxes and and looking to move them he might have his back turned to the bike lane and exactly and it could be problematic it, it really could be problematic and um you know this is one of the things that and, and dot has, has been doing some good work with this but but they need to do more in terms of creating uh commercial loading zones um and that you know would be the perfect place for it if you have a right. major you have some major shops along broadway it's like you need more commercial loading zones i'll tell you though another frustrating thing uh, for truck drivers is that a lot of times these commercial loading zones are being used by either Uber and Lyft or sometimes uh, New York police vehicles. Uh, right. I, I, no joke. I have seen NYPD traffic enforcement parked mm. in commercial loading zones. Um, and then when I see them giving 
And then, so if a truck has to double park and they get a ticket because traffic enforcement is in their spot, I mean, right. how, how, how insane is that? And that, well, and that, that's what really gets on my nerves about some of this is because it's like, well, now they have to double park, you know? Exactly. So now well, the truck- I was saying, is double parking like going to be okay now? And sure enough, I saw someone get fined. So I know, I know you text, you texted me right away, which was great, but well, I mean, greatly you texted me terrible that it happened. <laughs> Um, like I was saying, I, uh, because of your show, I'm starting to think more. Are they designing these things as a way to bring in revenue through this finding? I mean, is that like a residual they're hoping to happen? I don't know. So this is a really good question that I don't think tech there's there's a an official answer to. Um, but certainly, when you know how much the city needs revenue. And you know how anytime the city needs revenue, I mean, and this is even before de Blasio, anytime the city needs revenue, it's, you know, well, enforcement becomes a way to get revenue. Trucks is a big one. Other motorists, small business fines. Um, and we've talked about that as well. So, mm-hmm. so I, don't, I don't like accusing people of things when I really don't know. Um, I just doesn't, it doesn't smell great. Let's sure. put it that way. Zach, I'm also frustrated because it's almost like he has a lack of New York City geography, Mayor de Blasio, when he wants Mm -hmm. plans underway. What I mean by that is Broadway is a different animal than 6th Avenue. I love the plane on 6th Avenue, to be very honest with you. I think it's great. You have the cars on the other side of the the, uh, median. You can just roll. But here there's like no space for this. I feel like he doesn't understand the geography or chooses not to. I don't know. I, I think it. I think it's the latter. I think he chooses not to. I do agree with you on Sixth Avenue. And again, that went through the normal process of how mm-hmm. to install a bike lane. So there was input, and they were able to design something that was a compromise. And um, you know, that's the thing about compromise. People, not everyone loves it, but that's kind of the point. Um, and really, you've nothing to complain about. But but yeah, some of these are just like really forced in it. And and I'm definitely with you. I don't think this is particularly concerned about the specifics of the area kind of a kind of a joke that he wouldn't know this geography considering it's you know two feet from his office exactly (laughs) and there are no bike lanes by city hall by the way just to let you know yeah i I, you know what's funny about that i'm get i I don't know this for a fact Mm -hmm. but i'm guessing that has to do with a safe or security situation probably so because you can't have because you don't want someone just like to breeze right through um but, you know, then that, that raises other questions, but okay, so why are we pigeonholing these, mm-hmm. these bikers in this really, you know, like really tiny sliver of street space, um, you know, just to, to get to the edge of, to the edge of Manhattan and, and then back to Brooklyn. It's, um, it, it, it's very odd. It's also, like you say, very odd. Who puts this in on a Thursday night to Friday morning? Or that know? whole week. I don't, it's very yeah, strange. like. Like it, it's usually just like, all right, Monday, we're going to install it over the weekend. And Monday, the bike lane is going to go in. It's just like really Friday. Well, I had started to notice it a few days earlier than that. But when I started to really notice it was actually Monday night. They like blocked off traffic to do this. And I was like, what is going on? But uh, I, I know I'm not focused on the truckers as much as you are. And that's okay. We can come up from different. Yeah, 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 definitely. But you also do come from a small business. And the reason why I'm literally boycotting these 150 miles of bike lane 
the $1.7 billion is enough to do that. I mean, that's crazy. But the second <laughs> thing is, is how it's being done while everything else is on pause. Like they're pausing businesses from doing indoor dining and gyms, but this project can go on as if nothing happened. I don't understand it. You know, I think Alex, that's a, that's a really fair point. And again, I think things like this have a very um, unintended consequence of turning people against, you know, bike biking and bike lanes and, and, and the bike advocates for that reason, because it's like, yes, the the notion of, of green transportation is important. Um, But, but it's hard to sit there and be told how important this is when every business I care about is closing. When, you know, you know, it's like, like you said, gym owners have absolutely no idea when they can reopen. Um, bar restaurant owners have no idea when they could be up even, even at 70% capacity, you know, um, everybody is concerned about the future of the city and rightfully so. And then, and then if the best the city can do is look at these bike lanes on Broadway, it's like, you gotta be kidding me. But they don't. In fact, I think if I didn't bring it up, no one would, to be honest. I mean, it seems like no one would care enough to point this out. Well, you know, um, a couple, maybe a year or so ago on our radio show, we had a Jaden Horan, who, who yeah. you're familiar with. He used to work for, um, what was it? Reclaim, Reclaim New, New York. York. Yeah. A and, name and we need Jayden, back so desperately, by the way. I agree. And Jaden said, and so Jaden's not a native New Yorker. And Jaden said, it's very, New Yorkers are very strange because they, you know, are very tough and they talk about like, you know, how much they like to fight something they don't like. But when it comes to city policy, they just leave. Mm-hmm. They just get fed up and they leave and they don't fight. And that, you know, as a native New Yorker, that really stuck with me. Mm. Uh, it, it bothered, he's 100% right. And that's why it bothered me. And, and, and you know, we're seeing this on steroids now with COVID. Yeah. People are just yep. packing up. They're packing up and they're leaving and there's nothing to fight for. So then it gets back to your thing. Well, why aren't people fighting the bike lanes on Broadway? Right. Because they're gone. Because <laughs> they because there's no one to fight. And so, I don't know, it just, and the city loves it like that, right? They love to not have their policies noticed. So it's, and that is why I. It makes their life so much easier. But that is why I cannot help but feel like their agenda, they purposefully locked us in more than they needed to, to extend their agenda. And maybe that's conspiratorial, but that's just how I'm starting to feel with all the stuff I'm seeing now. <clears throat> and I don't know why. My- Here's the thing. Oh, by the way. No, here's the thing. And you're not, you're not the only person who's been saying that. I, I, I've been hearing a lot about that. Is it conspiratorial? Sure. The, the, the issue is, I don't think the city really gave you a whole lot of options than to start thinking this way, um, especially once, because they set up a really good plan with the, um, the phase plan, the, you know, phase one, phase two, and, you know, two weeks. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Totally the right way to do it. But then you, but then you get to the point towards the end where they just kind of stopped, where they're like, okay, now some of the stuff we said we were going to do, we're going to go back on, and and we're not going to give you any sort of markers moving forward, and even you know even with the schools, which is a whole other show, but 
we mm-hmm. don't need to really go into, but sure. Um, but but with the schools, they still gave them the markers. It's like these are the numbers that we need to see consistently mm-hmm. to be able to reopen the schools. Okay, why can't those numbers apply to gyms? Why can't those right. numbers apply to indoor dining? What what is going on here? Um, that that you're you're specifically keeping these places closed when you're allowing others to reopen. Right. It's, and I, and like, you know, going back to your point, when you do stuff like that, you open yourself up for people to say things like this is an agenda and they're purposely doing it. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that the truth? No one knows. No, probably not. But you know what? You, you put yourself in this situation. You know, right. you, Governor Cuomo, Mayor de Blasio, you guys put yourself in there and people are going to complain about it. Zach, with the truckers, um, have they been heavily hit with enforcement things and I don't know, other stuff during this quarantine on early? So um, the first like week or two, like when COVID hit, hit, yeah. but yeah. like we were still playing catch up, they still mm-hmm. got hit hard but then once we all like hunkered down and you know oh this is a pandemic it was pretty good it was pretty smooth sailing and then as the city started to pick up again uh things did start picking up again um from what i'm hearing it's not quite as it was but Mm -hmm. you know but now that we have had so many spaces uh taken away and again we got to do what we got to do to save small businesses i'm not complaining about that but, you know, trucks did lose space and they weren't mm-hmm. given other space. So we're, we're starting to see a pickup in tickets, um, parking tickets, as wow. well as um, some of these engine idling tickets. Wow. Um, because, well, I'll tell you about the engine idling tickets because those are citizens are allowed to film a truck idling for over three oh, minutes and, okay. and, and sort of write their own summons. And with people at a work, you know, it's, it's, it's an easy mark for them. So since people are out of work and the city set up this insane system, uh, we're seeing uh, an influx of that, which is very disconcerting. It's, it's something that we're fighting. And of course, this week he announced the enforcement and a $10,000 fine for those who might violate a court. Oh, yeah. But does that affect the truckers too now? It should not. Truck, trucks are essential. Um, trucks right. are their essential exempt. Um, right. So what? it's, but well, but here's the thing. As you said, it's a $10,000 fine. So suppose you have somebody in a beat up Honda Civic with a Rhode Island license plate versus somebody in a 2019, you know, Kenworth mm-hmm. tractor trailer, Rhode Island plate. Who are you going to look to give a $10,000 fine to? Um, and again, I, exactly. And look, I, I, again, this is, this is, you know, hypothetical. This is sort of letting my frustration, I guess, get the better of me because sure. they really, they really shouldn't be pulled over. But, you know, I, I, I have yet to see any sort of enforcement blitz against motorists that didn't disproportionately affect <laughs> the trucking industry. Wow. Well, that's well. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Because I'm kind of curious now what you mean by that. Um, anytime, anytime a municipality 
does some sort of um, enforcement blitz related to motorists about, oh, we need to crack down on, you know, X, Y, Z bad behavior or, you know, like a checkpoint, you know, let's randomly stop people. Trucks always get hit. I know. I see that everywhere, like at the Lincoln Tunnel, at the Midtown Tunnel. Yep. Yeah. They always get hit for, you know, one, one is revenue. One is the fact is, I mean, it, it is possible that, you know, oh, is, is, uh, is there contraband on this? Um, you know, again, you can pull someone over for, for not mm-hmm. having, for a busted taillight or, you know, the, the blinker's not working, you know, big trucks, they have lots of lights. They got lots of circuits. Right. The odds are higher that one's not working. So it just, it, it just is law of averages you know you, is you there, see a nice big truck you're gonna pull it over it well and also you know truckers are sort of defined by the smoky bandit movie right like all these trucks nationwide <laughs> but does law enforcement carry that stigma uh, about them like i don't know do they do they say oh this is a, a regular trucker we got to pull them over i don't know is there something like that involved too <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. I don't think so. I don't think it's usually like that. I think it's more, I think it's more like a a mobile ATM machine is is how they look at it. Um, and especially, you know, it's interesting because with sort of the rise in e-commerce, we're seeing, we're not seeing as many over the road delivery. That's what the smoking the bandit is, right? That big trucks over the road. We're not seeing so many of those. We're seeing a lot more smaller trucks uh, localized. So a lot of so a lot of the truck drivers you see really do live in the area. I mean they 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 have pretty regular schedules, and they're part of you know the tri-state tri-state area tri-state community, Um, Mm -hmm. which which is which is great. But then that also gets back to the whole. my gosh, why are you harassing your own, right. your, your own citizens, citizens. Why, your, yeah. own, your, your own businesses, particularly, you know, in this area? And I don't have the full numbers, but I know it's a, a decent chunk. You're talking about a lot of, you know, immigrant and minority um, workforce. Because exactly. Because they, they live here, you know, it's good work. Um, and then, and look, it, you're going to do an enforcement blitz. You're going to do an enforcement blitz. You're the mayor. I can't stop you. But you know, mm-hmm. don't tell me how much you how much you love diversity, you know, and how and how what a wonderfully diverse and amazing place this is when you're continually harassing the minority population. It's uh it's grotesque actually that they say they yeah. them and yet they don't in a lot of ways do the business aspect anyway. Now, you said people are leaving because they don't or not fighting back. What about the association? Uh, are they sticking around to fight this out or what are they what are their plans as the city moves forward or whatever we're doing right now? You, no, you know, I think that, well, I mean, the Trucking Association specifically has really spent the last couple of years building up relationships in uh, city government, both in the legislative and regulatory bodies. So those relationships are really solid. So that, that's been helping, you know, sort of help the trucks mm-hmm. and, and help the industry. Um, so the trucking's, not going away and the trucking association is definitely going to be a part of all these conversations moving forward. Um, but now in terms of some of these other group, maybe these small business groups, like your chambers of commerce, your sure. bids, I, I think there's a lot more um, sort of um, an urgency really to, to, to really start getting aggressive um, mm. and to start fighting because, because that's a thing. Um, 
so many of these businesses are in trouble mm-hmm. and and they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel and and there really does need to be there really do need to be people fighting and fighting hard for them because this i mean where what are we first sec, first second week in august i mean right you, you know you, know, you take this another month i know you take this another month and it's just like ah, it, it'll get ugly and um and again, this is why the bureaucratic process just drives me crazy. So <laughs> the thing with the bike lanes and other, well, that's the other question. Are you hearing of, or are you seeing other projects coming up that no one knew was going to come up during this, but actually are starting to be seen? Like, have they seen any other stuff going on? No. And I think that that's another area of frustration because there the mayor announced a uh, bus lane and busway projects that he was going to do around the mm-hmm. city um, in, in all boroughs. And I am through the trucking association. I'm part of this uh, re- outreach committee to, you know, look over the plans and offer suggestions, you know, just like for the trucking perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I've been on a whole bunch of zooms with DOT and these community groups and they showed me the plans and like, they're moving slowly, but they're moving in the proper manner. Sure. Totally. It's a great process. I think, I think DOT is going to come up with some really great uh, bus ways that, that serve the communities they need. So it's, it's actually, you know, it, it's slow, but it's, it's exciting and they're doing it right. So when, when you said, look at what they're doing with, with this on Broadway, that, that, that also sent another shock to me because I'm like, wait a minute, but they're doing this other project this frankly more important project because, you know, buses are, more important um they're doing it the right way they're doing it the great way so what is going on that that the the good stuff they're doing right but then they're just throwing this together it's just it's just seems like this is the how did the blasio administration has always been it's always been you know scattershot uh you know one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing right and and you know how many resources have to be diverted, and I'm not even talking about money. I'm just talking about manpower. How many resources have to be diverted for these, you know, like quickie little projects that right. take away from the big stuff that they're really working on? Well, and Zach, you also said that this bill that they did for the new bike lanes and bus lanes was signed under like no one knew about it. Is that right? A 1.7 billion dollar council thing, whatever was going on there. That was. Um, no, that was uh, people knew about it because uh, it was a Corey Johnson bill. And oh. if, if Corey Johnson has his name on something, you better believe he's going to talk about it <laughs> for, uh, you know, long and hard. Um, wow. But but yeah, but, you know, but Alex, you actually do raise an interesting point here because, um, as you know, because you're you're mm-hmm. plugged in all this stuff. We have a mayoral election coming up next year. Yep, And. So you have Corey Johnson, who is the um, speaker of the city council on one end, and you have uh, Scott Stringer, who is the comptroller on the other yeah. end. And I, I'm pretty sure they're, they're the two front runners for the Democrats right now. Yeah, yeah I, go ahead. I'm saying this, but Scott Stringer looks actually moderate right now with all this stuff going on. Uh, terrifyingly, I would agree with you. And uh, it's it's going to be an ugly, ugly election. But... I think that mm. some of these things that you're going to be seeing mm-hmm. in the next couple of months and that you've already started to see during COVID think more 
mayoral platform and mm. less and and less how do we help new yorkers through this uh crisis exactly uh, and that's a, and and to be fair to uh cory johnson and scott stringer that's politics 101 that's how it's always been you know i can't i i can't kick and scream about a politician doing politician things in an election mm. cycle right well well right and that is almost why trump does these press conferences because he can't do the rally so he's trying to to his base a certain way uh by yeah to be tripping over yeah i mean it's crazy yeah (laughs) every day but i've got to ask you vision zero i know at the heart of all this is vision zero because they want the bike lanes because they're listening to lobbyists um whatever's the case but vision zero has it truly been good for new york or no have there been any good things about it so there definitely have been some good things. Um, the, the, for the first couple of years, it definitely worked. Um, some of the good things are the reduced speeds, um, banning a lot of these dangerous left turns. I think, right. like you said, when they when they put in bike lanes the right way, I think that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, and I think just uh, I, and you know, again, I don't. I have mixed feelings on the um, speed cameras, sure. um, but but. At the end of the day, if it does get people to slow down, I'm not going to complain about, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the last couple of years, like the last year and a half, uh, Vision Zero really has started to fail, um, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And I think the reasons why it's failing is because they are starting, they're really focusing on the wrong things. Um, the The thing about Vision Zero is, and yes, reduce the speeds, reduce dangerous turns. But you have to understand that, and and you know this better than most. You, a person at the end of the day is responsible for themselves and their own mm. well-being. And a lot of the messaging with Vision Zero is: if you are a cyclist, you don't have the responsibility is not yours. You don't need to obey traffic laws. You don't need you know you don't because it, it's always the car or the truck's fault. Mm-hmm. Now. Of course, if there's an incident with a bike and a car or a truck, generally the car and the truck is going to be okay and the cyclist is the not. So of not course right. so of course the greater responsibility is always on the licensed uh motor vehicle operator. But that doesn't excuse you from running red lights and going the wrong way and not signaling and, and all that stuff. And and I look at it like this. When, once they backed off the message of personal responsibility of, you know, we have these traffic laws for a reason. Um, things really, really got bad with Vision Zero. And I look at it like, cause, you know, it's funny. The last time you had me on, we talked a little bit about the last dance with, uh, yeah, yeah. with, with Jordan, Jordan and, and all that. And I look at it like, you know, look, this is America. Freedom is every, freedom's the greatest thing. Jordan is, right. Jordan is freedom. But freedom won't work without personal responsibility. And Pippin is that personal responsibility. You need them, you need freedom and you need personal responsibility together, working together in order to succeed. And frankly, it's the same thing with COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, everybody loves talking about, well, there's an infringement upon my freedom. Okay. And what are you doing to keep yourself and your family safe? And, you know, that, that's why the, the mask stuff works so well with COVID. And that's why, frankly, if you took, if you told cyclists, it's like, Listen, you have to be vigilant. You have to cycle defensively. You have to obey these traffic rules. Wear a helmet. They don't even tell them to wear a helmet. Right. Um, 
wear exactly. a helmet. And they're going down, and, and these bikers, like, own, they think they own the whole thing. They go down, like, 100 yes. miles an hour. And, like, I've said this before, rollerblading on one leg, like, uh, I don't, I love that. But I just find it hilarious that someone with two legs complains about a car. It's like, dude, maybe you were in the wrong, too. You know, like, why are you complaining about this? Now, personal responsibility does do with the bikers. But then we also have to say, well, when there's a surge in biker deaths, maybe Vision Zero has to be fixed, and maybe we don't have to just put it all on the car at the same time. And I, I totally agree. In that conversation. Uh, completely, completely. I, and that's the whole thing. It's like, it's like you know, the, the cliche, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a mm-hmm. different result. Well, you, you, you built Vision Zero a very specific way and it stopped working. So now you have to, you have to tinker with it and you can't mm-hmm. just say more enforcement on cars and trucks, more, you know, le- less maneuverability for cars and trucks. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, you, you, you did it wrong. You, you did a lot of good things, a lot of good things, but the messaging was wrong and you got to go back and change that messaging and you'll, you'll start to see the numbers get better. Mm. And then, and, th- and then once the, once those numbers get better and guess what? keep putting in bike lanes because they're being used properly. And you know, yeah. it's, it's good for the city and people will it feel is. safe biking, you know? And I do, you know, I love when they shut it down to do the biking on Saturdays. I guess they're not doing this year because of COVID, but those are kind of cool. Yeah, and unfortunately they couldn't do it this year. And stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always fun to see. But at the end of the day, huh, I guess this leads to the ultimate question, right? We see the congestion pricing. We see these bike lanes coming in. We see, lanes being reduced where they shouldn't be is our mayor anti-car <laughs> is that what it all was <laughs> i think that um i i think that there is a very loud powerful faction in city government that is vehemently anti-vehicle i mean like just really vehemently mm-hmm. anti-vehicle and they they kind of run roughshod over the city um, and it's causing a lot of problems because there are lots of communities that do need that are reliant mm-hmm. on their cars. Um, and certainly as the, the, the city is reliant on trucks, I mean, 90% right. of goods and services come via truck. Um, so that has to be factored in. And, um, it, you know, the mayor personally, I don't think really care. I think the mayor kind of likes cars. I don't think he Oh, you really mean that SUV? He this. doesn't like cars. I mean, he's like taking that drive in the SUV. <laughs> but he's also, but he's also weak, and he lets people walk all over him instead of you know standing strong and saying, "No, I'm the grown up in the room." You know, so that's right. the issue. It's not. I think instead I think he's more got, anti being a grown up than he is well, anti car. Right. Because instead, you got Oxyris saying she's going to be the bigger person and resign because she didn't like the way De Blasio was handled. I mean, when these things happen. <laughs> It is such a marker of his leadership, don't you think? Definitely, definitely. And and you know, I just anecdotally, I know people who have who worked in you know city government, not for him specifically, but you know worked you know for mm-hmm. city government uh, under his mayoralty, and they said it was very, um, they felt very disenfranchised. Well, um, in the papers and disappointed. Too. And the weird thing yeah. is, I don't know if you ever talked to him. But I've gotten to see the mayor multiple times, and he's actually decent to talk to. Like, he's like, hey, man, how you doing? It's like, 
you, know, you almost want to not have a beer with him, but you almost want to talk to him a little bit just to pick his brain. And then I see him on TV, and he's just a different person. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I think I, I think look, I think the job really beat him down. I mean, I, you look at the what he what he did when he was public advocate. He did a great job as public advocate, and you know, you, you saw his first campaign, the the tale of two cities. Like he ran such a great campaign. It's like he had look. He, he's a lifetime politician. He's got the charisma. He, he's a good schmoozer. You know. But but this job, unfortunately, it was just a little too much for him, and um, and I think he he probably trusted the wrong people early on and couldn't uh-huh. recover from that, um, and 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 yeah, and I think he's he's just fed up and he's had it. But in terms of you know his his you know retail politics, definitely mm-hmm. he was great at it. He was absolutely great at it. When you say public advocate, I think of another guy that couldn't do it, go from public advocate to mayor and Mark Green. So it begs me this question. I've never really known. Is he one of the first public advocates to become mayor in in our lifetime, or has there been another? I, you know, it's it's a good question. I think he is. I think it's a newer type position. Um, but I, so I think he was the first one. Because you remember Mark um, Green campaigned I remember, yeah. as the public advocate and like his success there, and he just could not win a mayoral race. He did it like three, four times too. Hmm. I, I remember one time it was a little controversial. I think he kind of got, he, I think he kind of got stabbed in the back by the party one time. If I, if memory serves correctly. I think so. But, uh, um, I saw him at a McDonald's one time and I've seen him elsewhere, but like in a McDonald's randomly, it was kind of interesting. Oh, Mark Green. You know who I saw randomly in a McDonald's once? Uh, Curtis that? Sliwa. Well, you know, that's... He, li- he, he used to live in Forest Hills. And uh, okay. so, I, yeah, so it was, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. It was, it was late night. Uh, so I was going to get some McDonald's before going home and, uh, and Curtis Lee will walk. Was it by the station house? It was by the station. So yes. That, well, yeah, That's I've it. been there. I've been there. I've been down that road. Before. <laughs> uh, well, no. And Curtis is up all hours. I swear to God, like he's never. Done yeah. That. But you know, the funniest thing is, so he's the reason why I got into radio. In fact, it's funny you mentioned him because seven years ago today was my first day employed by Salem Media. So there you go. Oh my God. Happy anniversary. Thank you. And Chris is the reason why. And um, nowadays, so cool in Penn Station or something. Hey, Alex. So it's like radio is so small. It doesn't, you don't, even though they may leave a place, they don't leave. You know what I mean? Like that we're all. Yeah. Yeah. So just interesting you share that. Family. But you see, and, and I'm sure when he walked into the McDonald's, he was very, uh, he was still very vigilant about like trying to get the, the ones that are a little kooky in the McDonald's, you know, I'm sure he had that vision in him. I don't know. I have no doubt. I, I, I didn't, I didn't start a conversation with him, but it's funny because um, when he did walk in, this was, oh gosh, this had to have been like five or six years ago. But if mm-hmm. you remember, whenever it was at that time, crime was sort of ticking up on the subways again. Um, okay. And I kind of wanted, and I think homelessness was kind of ticking up on the subways again. And I kind of wanted to talk to him about it, but at at that time in that setting, it was not really, like I wasn't going to start rambling, but, but oh. it was just, but it, it was just interesting. I'm like, Oh, cause like, I honestly was thinking about his organization a little bit at the time right. because it's just like, Oh, the subways are kind of getting not great again. Um, well, right. Obviously, been, obviously not what they were. He's been patrolling, but you know, what's amazing about him really quickly, uh, just on the side, 
everywhere he goes, he gets this, hey, Curtis, we love you, Curtis. I don't know if that <laughs> I too, but everywhere he goes, he's, he's well-known. It's amazing. Yeah, well, maybe he'll run for mayor this time around. And the Republicans, it's a tough battle for them because we're so entrenched in that left of center feeling right now. I don't know how we could get back to even middle. I just don't know, Zach. It's like, it feels like a well, long road to go. You see, I, what I would like for the Republicans to do is to nominate somebody who's just down the middle, just like a very moderate person, and, and try that. I, like, I can't sit here and say it would be successful, but I could tell you they can't run a, you know, a, a, a big Trump supporter um, for mayor right. in New York City and expect to get anywhere. And that, that's all well and good, but we, need, we can't have the, the next mayor come from this, um, you know, the school that, that we were talking about earlier of mm. um, just, just like the, con- the continuation of some of de Blasio's policies. And, and, and frankly, there, there are definitely things that de Blasio kind of put the, the kibosh on because he just either, he either didn't like it or he didn't like where it was going. And like, you know, like mm. not, 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 not to say de Blasio has done a particularly good job with anything, but he, there are some things that he has kind of blocked, um, mm. which, you know, you figure the next mayor won't be blocking those and and it could be problematic and i did miss going to the ada gala actually i mean that had to be canceled but every year he does host one i guess every mayor has but it seems like he really puts out press releases for that ada gala outside gracie mansion that's interesting day too because i get to see a lot of my friends from the community which is which is fun um, and i i hope they bring it back next year i hope uh, yeah i hope all of this comes back this is very yeah weird to see everything fans would know uh, games with no fans, but that, <laughs> the fans is very weird. But um, no, the moderate is is where we got to go. But I was going to say, but we can both agree right now, the the unions and other things have their mark in City Hall, and they're not leaving anytime soon. Like they have it, have a straight line to City Hall, and they'll elect to someone who goes along with them. Right? That's kind of how the city's politics been. Um, I think it's actually shifted a little bit. Um, the, look, the unions still have their power, no doubt, but I think that it's now more uh, well-funded advocacy groups um, and, and powerful think tanks. Mm-hmm. I think we're. I think what what's happening in New York City is on a small scale what's been happening in Washington for the last you know couple of decades, um, which is. Because the thing about the unions, at least when, when the unions were in control, you kind of knew who, so like you knew who to blame if something mm-hmm. wasn't going right. You could, you know, you, you kind of were able to, to easily track it. it. Now, sure. now it's just harder to track who's, who's doing what. And, 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 you know, if you read some of these bills that are being proposed, more so in Albany, but definitely a little bit here in the city council, and you read them and you're like, you didn't write this. Mm. You certainly didn't write this. And I, I know a union didn't write. Sometimes unions do. And you can tell that as well. But a lot of them, you're just like, who the heck came up with this? What, what, what is this? And, and you <laughs> haven't thought about a single unintended consequence. And it's, it, it's really becoming problematic. And, you know, but I'll tell you what could be interesting in terms of the primary. Suppose the unions kind of rally behind one candidate. Mm. And maybe some of these other groups rally behind another candidate. 
Um, right. I think that would be that would be a really interesting dogfight right there. But I don't I don't know what the unions are really thinking right now, especially because because the city's budget is in such dire straits. Right now, De Blasio is not making any uh, employee cuts. He's he's not he's not issuing any layoffs, which, which I understand. But the next mayor is either going to have to make some layoffs mm-hmm. or or just you know cut services and budget to their bare bones, and that's going to have to come up in the mayoral election. I mean that you can't escape that. So. You know, the unions, though, <clears throat> I don't <clears throat> I don't think their power is what it was in this particular cycle. No, they're in, you, you will see. But you will see their influence. You will see them because they are going to fight for every single job and they're going to kind of demand them take pledges about, you know, uh, employment numbers. And and we'll see. And, and you know, it's it's a really interesting point you raised because we'll see sort of. The power that they have, and then also sort of um, what politicians are beholden to them, and and then who mm-hmm. who really does run the city. Well, and my question then would be is because, and I don't even feel like criticizing the movement because I don't know if they're truly Marxists or anything like that, but BLM seems to be running policy too. I mean, they were saying defund the police and that's what exactly happened and it's like uh are we going to see more of that dictation as well so that's that that time will tell only because um blm i think i think blm is it's a couple of different things um and I, yeah i'm with maybe there's some marxists there but that this is not a marxist agenda type of thing but you have people who are just regular new yorkers um who just want to see changes Fair in this country police. long over exactly which is absolutely absolutely let's have that conversation long overdue mm-hmm. um and then you have maybe some more uh liberal type of organizations not related to blm but are going to use it use the blm movement to yeah. trojan horse their own agenda so to answer your question about blm and the city the mayoral race. That's what I would look for. I wouldn't exactly look to see a a BLM, you know, actual agenda. I would look to see groups that are more established mm-hmm. kind of use BLM to Trojan horse. Maybe get paid by BLM to do it too, right? So you know what you know what the beauty is? These groups are so well funded they don't even need the money. They just mm-hmm. need they they just need the shield to just say, oh yeah, and this we're for we're for justice and black lives matter and oh by the way but this is what we really want type of but thing. so how do we stop that because i don't i don't want that kind of being trojan horse under the city. i just do not want uh, so that that's a great narrative. that's a that's a great question i think one thing that can be done is to just go to just as as an elected or, or as a group just go to communities of color to communities that have been underserved and say what do you need what what, what can we really do for you um go go to the people and don't let don't let twitter or you know some other high high paid advocates uh dictate the terms let the people dictate the terms and you know you've seen it in the news recently what what is it like 
70% of uh, black minority owned businesses had to shutter during COVID. Uh, they, you know, black and minority owned businesses weren't getting any of the contract, the city contracts. I it's saw like, that. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like, start there. You, you want to talk about, you, you want to talk about how, how do you prevent maybe a more, a more radicalized agenda? Start there. Start, mm-hmm. start with, start with the minority owned businesses. Start with the, you know, you go to the communities of color, you talk to the leaders and you say, well, what, what, what do we do? What, what do we do to mm-hmm. work together? You know, you, 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 you write the narrative and you let people who have suffered write the narrative. Right. Um, you don't, you don't, you don't let some sort of uh, think tank write the narrative would be, would be my, if, if I was running for mayor, that's what I would do. Well, maybe someone will consult you on how to do this and, and, and get our city back. Who knows? Oh, I got I got to figure out a rate, an hourly rate. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, have you ever worked a campaign during no. all this? No, 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 no. I, I, the closest I ever got to anything. No, I was, um, summer between sophomore and junior year of college. I had an internship with the parks department in special mm. events. That's the closest I ever got to, uh, to government. And I liked it. It was a good internship. Um, no, here's the thing. First of all, uh, running an election, it is, is just grueling work it is, just, mm. you know, 24 seven grueling, grueling, grueling work. Um, and frankly, I so I like politics, mm-hmm. but I don't particularly like politicians. Like imagine liking sports, but hating the athletes. I know. It's exactly why I'd rather stay on the microphone side and just talk about all of it rather than get involved with it. You know, I get what you're saying with that. Yeah. So, but, but Zach, I got to be honest uh, with my listener, with the, with our listeners today. I try and cheer you up every day with like, Hey, did you see this glimmer of hope? Cause I know you're a little down on the city right now, but <laughs> if you could see a positive right now, do you see one for the city moving forward? I hope you do. I certainly try to every day. Um, that's a good question. Do I see a positive for the city moving forward? I, I think, I, I think what you see, um, in, in New York is a lot of fear and a lot of anger. Mm. And I think, but I, I think in terms of the positive is it doesn't take much to switch that narrative. You know what I mean? So it's like, if we get to a point soon where more things start to open up, I think if they, if they go through and they open the schools and things are okay and the rates are still down, I, I think we'll start to see more of a, you know, take a deep breath, move forward in, in a maybe a more positive way, thinking, okay, we kind of got this. We kind of got through the worst of this. And we're picking, and we're picking up the pieces, and and we're really moving forward. And that's why, really, I think. But 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 that's why I think things are so low right now because this is you know it's either the calm before the storm, or it's we made it and we don't know yet at this point. It's like we're in we're just going through that tunnel in the dark and we're not right. sure what's on the other side, but we know we're really getting close to it. So you know it. I, I, I'm framing this as a negative, but it may not be, it, you know, it's a sort of like, this is the moment <clears throat> we're all in right. that moment. And it's right. just like, we just have to just grind it out a little bit more 
to see where we're at. Um, mm. So it's not a permanent type of malaise that, that's set in right now. It's, it's very temporary. It's very much of the specific moment. And, you know, we're going to get one way or another, we're going to get through it in a couple. Zach, of when you say it, it sounds more, I'd say official, but it sounds more grounded than when the mayor or governor say it, because like, well, we don't want to hear from them that it's all fluid. We want definitive from them, don't we? So it's kind of weird that yeah, it sounds good, but them saying doesn't sound good. Well, they well, and that's sort of those are the breaks with being an elected official. You know that that's kind of part of the job, unfortunately. Um, but and and then but again, they don't do themselves any favors with the way right. they uh, they they conduct themselves. That's that's certainly for sure. Um. I'm, I I don't know. You you, you want a, a positive. We haven't heard Cuomo as much the last couple of no, weeks. No, it's actually something. been a de Blasio show. It's been weird, actually. Yeah, it has been. You're right. <laughs> anyway, Zach, thank you so much for doing this today. This has been the Sunday Pod. Come back, of course, with updates you got. And uh, your last radio show was interesting, but where can people find your podcast, the podcast of the show and, and listen to you? So you could go to NewYorkTruckStop.com. And uh, we have a link to all the episodes there. And uh, you could also just check out the uh, AM970 website. Uh, we have them all uh, backlogged. On um, You could go to the podcast section or the local host section. Of AM970, the answer, yep. All right, Zach. Take care, brother. And we will talk to you soon. Sounds good, Alex. Thanks. So glad having you, man. This was, this was great. Um, <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>